Days, right? Uh, Thursday? It is Thursday. I actually had to think about that, which <laughs> is ridiculous I. because <laughs> that's when we record these. Um, It's 420, which means it's the birthday of the time I found a cat. Oh, nice. You found a cat on 420. Yes. I How think many years ago? Oh, that was a long time ago. This cat is no longer with us. But it is, you know, the cat. It's Boozer. R.I.P. Boozer. This this is true. Boozer died several years ago, but the the existence of Boozer needs to at least uh, be told on the internet a little bit. I'm for that. I'm not sure. Were you there the day that we found Boozer? No, I think I definitely heard about it. Obviously, uh, but I wasn't there. That was so. We went over to like his house. Because I guess the plan was we were just going to go jump around to to our friends' houses during 420 to see them all be real high. And we were the alcoholics. (laughs) So we were going to go hiking for some reason, like, and get drunk. But so we went to house and sat down and we were, like, sitting in her yard petting her cats. Yeah. And I, like, looked down and I was petting this cat and I was like, hey, this is a cool new cat. And she was like, that's not our cat (laughs) he just saw the scratches being given out yeah and i was like all right well it's got like a collar on which had no tag like it just didn't so i like kept petting it or whatever but we got up to leave and it just got in the car so then we went just down the street to his house it's yeah. so like, you know, that little setup by Acoma Park. Yeah. So it's like I literally just down the street. Right. So we were fine with it. We were just like, whatever. We'll let the cat out of the car there. We let the cat out of the car there. It went and hung out with everybody. And they were doing the get high in the shed thing. Where it's like <laughs> two or three people at a time would be going off to get high. And then everybody else would be sitting on the carport. Yep. Yep. Field hot shed. Yeah. Straight. <laughs> straight classy Americans. But, uh. Yeah, then the second we went to go leave, like, the cat was on her heels, and then we went hiking, and the cat went out with us hiking, and went on a whole hike with us, without any formal training, I'm assuming, (laughs) and just, like, came with us. We ended up naming it Boozer, because it did drink a little vodka that day, but that is the only time it ever drank anything that was alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Dude, just a chill, bro. Cat. It's well, like, we spilled I'm down to some. Hang. We spilled some vodka and it went up and like licked a little puddle of vodka, and it did not like it. But yeah, yeah, I'm more talking about he's just hanging out all day. He's like, all right, where are you guys going? It's all right. true. So, yeah, I'm down. But then we you went hiking. Okay. Yeah, I'll hike. <laughs> but then we went to leave, and like he came with us as well because obviously we're not going to leave the fucking cat. Yeah. In, like, any place you can go hiking because of coyotes. Right. But we went to go drop everybody off, and I was the last person out of, I think, four of us to get dropped off. And he just got out of the car when I got out, and that's that's how it started. I was just like, I guess this cat lives with us now. 
Um, anybody who's listened to this podcast might have noticed that there are already lots of cats in my life <laughs> prior to this cat existing. So I don't really think anyone noticed for a while that we had that, although that was when we were whittled down to only three cats. That was that cat's whole deal. He's like, well, I'll see. I know there's a spot. (laughs) Yeah, but he immediately became a large buff cat. Like, yeah, I remember he was massive. Yeah, it's all the spaghetti. And he was not (laughs) a fat cat either. He was no Garfield. Yeah, he was just large. Yeah, he used to follow me to fucking high school. Didn't he have some kind of scar too or something? I mean, like it seemed like he was definitely in a few fights. Well, no, he was scrappy, but all of our cats, like, there was a while where every cat that was on the block in a fight was one of our cats. Mm. Like, it's called grade school. That was when we had like 20 <laughs> fucking cats, way too many cats. Cat but fighters. When, after we whittled it down to only a few cats, is when Boozer showed up. But yeah, Boozer used to try and go to parties and shit with me. Like, I used to have to put Boozer in the bathroom before I left and tell my mom to let him out. <laughs> Otherwise, he would go out the cat door and just go wherever I was going. Yeah. He's that, like, what's up, man? I still want to chill. What? We yeah, that's pretty out? sweet. <laughs> that cat was, yeah, sometimes after school, I would just get a little little tipsy and walk with my cat down to the uh, wash. And go on like a four mile wash walk with a cat. So cool. Was amazing. something to tell us about the coward that is uh walter nobel i don't know his first name well it's alfred yeah um, walfred nobel the I coward the, you immediately characterized him as a coward that's i'm quite good at that i'm assuming that's how this is gonna play out well what i want to talk to you about is actually a thing called the ig nobel prize Ah. which is like a wacky nobel prize but i feel like we should do a little nobel prize history first 
and talk about the coward, Walter Nobel. Are we going to get in trouble for this? Is I don't know if this is a hot take. I just love calling people cowards. Well, I mean, Walter Nobel, as far as I know, didn't exist, so we're fine calling him a coward. All right. <laughs> Fucking coward. Can we? That should be merch. We're just going to make shirts that say Walter Nobel is a coward, and people will be like, don't you mean Alfred? We'll be like... He's not a coward, obviously. No, of course not. Alfred Nobel, he's a good guy. Come on. He, he has the prize and everything. Yeah, but it's a reverse prize. <laughs> well, so that is one of the things with the prize. Um, a lot of people believe it was something just to increase his reputation. So here's the story that I heard about how the Nobel Prize came about. Was okay. that somebody with his name died and it was printed in the newspaper. As yeah, an so accident. His, his brother, Ludwig. Yeah, so everybody thought he <laughs> died. And in the newspaper, it was like, great, this guy who's killed thousands because of how he did the TNT thing. Um, like, everybody was happy he was dead. And he was like, well, I don't like that. So I need to do something <laughs> to increase my popularity so that when I die, people don't literally spit on my grave. Yeah, that's exactly it. So... Yeah, I just took your whole segment. Oh, no. No, there's a lot more. And that, that's excellent knowledge. Um, the whole Nobel family, they were like engineers, industrialists, uh, and chemistry was kind of their thing, like their specialty as well. So Alfred had done all this work under the guy who invented nitroglycerin. Yeah. And was his name Nitro? <laughs> Yeah, it was Crash Bandicoot Nitroglycerin was his full name. No, it wasn't that, obviously. Uh, but that guy, uh, he basically like took on all of his research and studies, tried to make nitroglycerin safer, and invented dynamite, as well as a bunch of other mites and ites. Like mm. there's a cordite, and there's like a gelite. It's a camerite. <laughs> probably commodiate <laughs> so that like his thing is like no no i was trying to make everything safer i'm a good guy but yeah the story goes that when his brother died in 1888 the sto- the paper published all this stuff and they mistakenly said that it was alfred that died they called him the merchant of death which <laughs> pretty fucking tight like if you're gonna die and somebody's like gonna talk shit on you but they do attach merchant of death. No one's going to think you were a paper pusher. <laughs> True. Yeah. And they called him a bunch of other stuff. Um, there's some dispute of whether or not that happened. That's, like, I know that there was some dispute on whether or not he even gave a fuck on <laughs> right. what like people thought about him. They're like, this might just be some history puff shit. Yeah. But yeah, after that, he... Um, Unbeknownst to his family, actually, in 1895, he drafted up a will that, uh, you know, obviously his last wishes, which outlined the whole idea for the prize, uh, kind of clumsily. Yeah, the first one just looked like, uh, what's it called? The Greatest Race? Or uh, Greatest? Yeah, it's the greatest when they just send like five guys across the world. Oh, you're talking at the about end of it, the you just get Yeah, at the end of it, you just get a fucking Nobel. <laughs> yeah, so in 1895, he uh, writes the will, outlines it, left 94% of his wealth for the uh, prize foundation and with the goal of like keeping the foundation and the prize alive. 
Like this he did is, strictly outline that. This is actually something that I've never understood because they always give you the numbers involved with this, but they don't explain how that's working with inflation. Because <laughs> every time they say that, I'm like, that's not a lot of money. Like they have to have been investing the money that was in there to make more money. Yeah. So I actually did look into some of that. I didn't write down all the stats about it, uh, but I kind of roughly remember it. So when he died, I did write these stats down. Like I said, he left 94% of his wealth. Uh, That was, in today's money, $260 million. And the last valuation of the foundation that I could find was uh, $560 million in assets. And they did, uh, they talked about how the foundation reinvests the money. Taco shops everywhere. (laughs) Well, they broke it down like, oh, it's 50% stocks, 30% bonds. Like these are the things we're investing in. But basically the amount of money that he left is like a little more than doubled in 2008. But he, like as far as the prize goes, it, it wasn't. Uh, outlined like in very complex terms like there were a lot of questions to be asked still so he and he writes that will in 1895 ends up dying in 1896 um, well i mean if that i would hope that he was kind of like well i feel like shit maybe <laughs> i should write some of this stuff down yeah i'm not sure how expected it was he did die of a stroke and there was a kind of interesting part a passage that i was reading about that how he like forgot to speak his language like his native language and he spoke like i think four or five languages or something and all of the people that were around him they were like servants didn't speak any of the languages that he could after his stroke Uh, funny (laughs) but he died pretty quickly after his stroke um, actually on December 10th, which is the day that they present Nobel Prizes. Uh-huh. Does, <laughs> so he would, is that in his will? He's like, it will be on December 10th. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not You sure. died from your, it definitely was not. They named that after. <laughs> if they did, that would be a murder case. <laughs> well, he could have just like put it in there, like the anniversary of my death. Uh, I guess I was saying like specifically right. August 10th or whatever <laughs> it is. December 10th. Yeah, they're all, is that number 12? <laughs> yes, the 12th month. Yeah, so basically the prize. Some million dollars and some clout. <laughs> Okay, so I was trying, like, he wrote all this stuff about what the prizes should embody. Um, but there are, there are five Nobel Prizes. Um, there was a sixth that got added in the 60s. I'll talk about that. But there are five main ones. Fire, water, electricity, rock, and fairy? Heart. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> are we redoing Captain Planet? See, or? I was going with Pokemon. Ah, okay. Yeah, fairy then. <laughs> yeah, you got to get through all the gyms to get the Nobel Prizes. Uh, it's physics, chemistry, physiology slash medicine, uh, literature, and peace. And there are kind of controversies around it. Obviously, uh, liter- literature and peace are the most kind of i guess abstract or like what are the qualifications well, so literature is abstract but you can actually just like safely be like all right we can solve this with numbers 
Uh, definitely peace is a difficult one and problematic because <laughs> yeah. pretty much anybody who has enough influence, if you go long enough, you're like, wait, you accidentally killed all these people at very least. And usually it's you intentionally killed all these people. Right. So um, there was a little bit of a definition. Uh, it was defined as uh, efforts that advance fellowship between countries, uh, reduce or abolish standing armies, or establish peace congresses. So if I wipe out everyone's armies... I can get a peace prize, <laughs> you're saying? Like, if I'm just the last one standing, I guess I would be, because I could just give myself the peace prize at that point in time, but that would still be within the rules, correct? I believe it would be, yeah. yeah. Loophole. Getting me a peace prize <laughs> with an army. And then um, in 1968, the Swedish Central Bank funded the establishment of an economic sciences prize. Uh, that was to be administered by the Nobel Foundation. So is that when, I don't understand, an economic sciences? Yep. So that's the, basically the sixth one. They kind of invented it and they're like, it's our thing, but like the Nobel Foundation will present it and it's a Nobel Prize. But what is an economic science that you can <laughs> quantify to like two or three people? Uh, you know, these are just like papers on finance, economics. Um, they're just the kind of like college research efforts. It papers, sounds like a way to get bean pushers money. Yeah. I mean, potentially, I suppose. The, the Swedish Central Bank did give a huge donation, uh, you know, in order to establish and fund the prize. So... That's the sixth one now. I just, but I just don't. I would have to definitely read because I find that more abstract than anything. Because whose economy are you going for? Like, well, is this all based on global economics? Like, everything has to be in the global sphere? I can tell you what the uh, 2022 winner, uh, what their topic was about. I was yeah. going to get to that, but I'll, I'll skip ahead for this just briefly. And this is directly from the Nobel Foundation website. The Economic Sciences Prize for Research on Banks and Financial Crises. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. That is <laughs> so bullshit. That is them making a prize for themselves. <laughs> and I think I heard you kind of mention it, but the Nobel Prize can either be won by a person or a foundation, but it's limited to three people. Yeah, and so, and that's something that I didn't actually learn. I just noticed. Okay. Because when it comes down to uh, around the 90s, we started uh, actually giving groups of people credit for shit instead right. of just, like, one guy. And about since then, almost all of the Nobel Prizes have, like, in sciences, I guess, have been, like, three three dudes. Yeah. Or posthumously, single people. Well, so um, the Nobel Prize actually cannot be won posthumously, but er, you can win it, and before it gets awarded to you, you can die, and you still get that one. But like, if you... That's weird. Didn't they give people <laughs> fucking honorary Nobels? I don't think so. I thought they've given a couple of like historic people that existed before the Nobel Prize 
posthumous Nobels. Not that I saw. I, I don't. I, saw I don't think like that they specifically... get the money. But I thought right. that that could just be fucking Fox News bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a thing of like, no, you can't do that. And it's it's kind of been a controversy with some of them, like Gandhi. Actually, like he was not he Gandhi never won, but was nominated. I think four times for the Nobel Nobel Peace Prize. So was Donald Trump. <laughs> was he Donald? Well, so they've gone through this thing a couple of times with what's allowed to enter into the Nobel Peace Prize. So like uh-huh. it was really hard, and then it was everybody, and then it was really hard again. And now it's kind of like you can still do it, but you have to be if you want to be just somebody, you have to have a lot of money. Otherwise, yeah. it's actually difficult to get into. Okay. So while it was <laughs> kind of everybody, people fucking tried to nominate Donald Trump. I think he's been nominated for a Nobel Prize twice. Okay. Gandhi was nominated a bunch of times, but he actually died slightly before the like nomination process ended. And that was a controversy where people were like, come on, he was a few days out. Like You should give it to him posthumously. But he actually didn't get it. See, at that point in time, you just split it off and go, he died, so he doesn't get the money, <laughs> and it go, the money goes to number two, who yeah. wins, and we just have two winners. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a silly made-up rule in a made-up situation that they can fix by just being like, yeah, obviously the dead human doesn't get the money for the prize, but we'll go ahead and print their name. That yeah. just costs ink. Yeah, that year, actually, uh, because of the Gandhi situation, people protested, and there was no Nobel Peace Prize that year. Aw, if you guys don't like my guy, (laughs) I'm going home. I do agree with not giving prizes sometimes. Let's talk about how to win the Nobel Prize. It's like, what, do you apply? Does someone just, like, see the brilliant science that you've done, and they're like, let's nominate this man? Well, I think it's the latter. Uh, yeah, it kind of is. Because so, I think that's how Trump got in there, was he got some people to do that. <laughs> so what happens is there is a Nobel committee. This is a small group. I believe it's five people. Um, but there's a larger group that, like, kind of selects them and oversees them. They send out forums to about 3,000 people. Those people are past winners. They're uh, like select professors worldwide, um, members of different science academies. I feel like I could make that list. Like I could get on the, we just (laughs) give him a vote for like a vote on a guy to vote for. (laughs) Yeah. And then... Those people, those 3,000 people that receive those forums, those are the people that are basically selecting yeah, the prize. Nominees. They vote for the vote guy. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the people that they know that are doing research or different scientific work, uh, they submit them. That goes back to the Nobel Committee. The Nobel Committee spends months consulting different experts in those fields. They prepare a report of all of the nominees for the prize. And then in October, the winners are selected and they're told that they won the prize and they're announced to the public. And then December 10th, the ceremony happens in Stockholm, Sweden, and the king of Sweden uh, presents all of the winners 
with a gold-plated green gold medal. It sounds like you just got super sarcastic at the end of this and started talking <laughs> shit about Sweden. You're like, and the king of Sweden came down with this gold-plated medal. This is reality. <laughs> That's yeah. how they do it. <laughs> I, I know, man. Yeah. You only have to talk for maybe 15 minutes straight about any one subject before it's insane. Yeah. Um, so they get a gold-plated green gold medal a diploma, and a monetary award. Uh, so the award actually changes. Is it a monitor lizard sometimes? <laughs> Just it has to involve the word monitor. Yeah, they like... Sometimes it's like an old fucking aces. <laughs> they mumble it to the winners. They're like, monitor or monetary? And they're like, uh, did you say monitor? And they're like, all right, monitor it is. Yeah, Lizards. <laughs> Give them the lizards. The award does vary, and it is in Swedish kroner. So in 2021, it was um, 10 million Swedish kroner, which is almost a million dollars. It's like $968,000. It's getting so close to how a million dollars is not enough to be given fucking people that have to do research. Well, so that's a thing about the prize, too. Um a lot of these people end up donating that prize. Yeah, because they're like, I'm already richer than this because it requires yeah. me to be richer than this to be able to do the things that I've done. Right. They're already in a situation where they're doing research that has some crazy funding or something like that. And so, yeah, you're right. They're already in a pretty good situation. And they generally donate it to, you know, just back to whatever causes they're working Except on. Except for the literature guy who lives under a fucking bridge. Well, so I think it was actually a literature guy that kind of kicked that off. Uh, of course. There's been and a he few still people... lived under a bridge, and his whole thing was like, I live under a bridge, <laughs> and I don't need my million dollars, you fox. It's a real fucking thing. Literature is important. <laughs> well, he tried to reject it, and then people were like, hey, man, you could just like start a foundation or something with that. Like, You don't have to be rich from it and he was like oh actually that's a good idea and he talking great idea guys <laughs> i was just gonna burn it all i was watching that new batman fella let's see there is kind of a thing right so one of the things that alfred nobel uh mentioned was like the award is supposed to uh exemplify those who have created the greatest achievements to like progress humanity forward in the past year yeah like the usb guys <laughs> what does that mean didn't the usb guys get a fucking nobel uh, in technology maybe, maybe. The, the three guys who invented the usb connection got some kind of crazy award and i'm pretty sure it was a technology nobel yeah, uh, would that be physics? There's no technology. I yeah, I don't know. It nobel. was just in the te well there's the non-technology and the technology nobels Oh, okay. So there's like, you either did something sciencey or you were a good person, Nobels. <laughs> well, that's kind of a controversy with the Nobel, too, is like they have tended to uh, favor discoveries over technological inventions. And it's something that's been disputed about Alfred Nobel's intention. It's like he didn't necessarily say it was discovery or invention. Like he just said, things that progressed humanity so what we really need to be doing is giving 10 million fucking swedish gold coins to <laughs> fucking like 
old ladies who are nice to you when you cross the street. Like, you have to get a report together on how far out them, like, being nice to just random people all the time is. Yeah. And I bet you that the impact of that will make them real upset when they're like, ah, they did affect roughly 48 million people's lives because of how much this rippled out from the one cookie incident. (laughs) The cookie effect. I don't know if that's a real thing, because I'm sure there's some motherfuckers that you're like, you want a cookie? And they're like, fuck yeah, now I'm going to fucking go kill someone with a cookie. Like, it doesn't necessarily make their day better enough that they don't commit that murder, or they just like both murder and cookies. Oh yeah, we were talking about in the past year uh, was something that he mentioned. And so recency has become a bit of an issue and like what exactly in the last year means. There have been some cases where it was like embarrassing for the Nobel Foundation because some of the discoveries that they gave Nobel Prizes to were later discredited. Yeah, I can see that being a thing. Peer (laughs) review is super important. Oh, I mean, these are actually peer-reviewed things, too, but then it's, like, quickly proven that it's wrong, and that it's, you know, these things can sometimes take years, and they're just kind of jumping the gun. So, like, the 1926 award um, was given for the discovery of a parasite that caused cancer, but, yeah, there's no such thing. Like, I mean, later was discredited. there is that one tumor that all Tasmanian devils have. <laughs> that's a real thing that's actually parasite does it no it's the tumor like so it's a type of cancer that is specific to tasmanian devils that it's the only transmittable form of cancer that we found mm, and okay. it's like this one fucking group of trash eaten because i guess their whole thing is they bite each other's faces for like everything so they they found a bunch of tasmanian devils that were living off a trash pile in like a gentrified part of wherever tasmanian devils actually live i'm assuming tasmania but that could be racially insensitive of me (laughs) or culturally insensitive of me but yeah and they tested the tumors and their dna is the same on across all of them so they were like yeah but yeah that's the only transmittable cancer we know of is on tasmanian devils and they okay. think the only reason why it can happen is because of how much time their mouths are touching. Hmm, okay. That was one of the cases uh, where, you know, it was too hastily given. So the statement has become a little bit modified. It is still technically past year, uh, but it's now modified to in which the full impact of the discovery was felt. So... You know, it could be something that was invented 10 or 20 years ago, but maybe, you know, it's it's nowhere except like a lab and they're not sure of it yet or something like that. So it can be the year that the dis- the impact of the discovery was felt. So that has created scenarios like there was a physicist who did work on stellar structure and evolution in the 30s. And he actually received a Nobel Prize for it in, I believe, uh, yeah, it was 83. So he got the 83 physics prize for work that he did in the 30s. Nice. (laughs) Where did his money go? (laughs) 
I'm not sure. Um, I know his son was there for it. I think his son actually presented it to him. So, and he also was a astronomer and a physicist. So I think the family was doing well. But yeah, I don't know where his prize went. All chocolate bars. <laughs> there is not uh, really a requirement as far as like what a candidate would be. You know, like nationality, age, anything like that. I would hope not. That would kind of defeat the purpose. They're not required to do anything, like, you know, pay a application fee or anything like that. There is one requirement, though. They do have to give a lecture on the thing that they won the prize for. Oh, I was going to say, I'd loophole and give <laughs> the lecture on the Nobel Prize. Like, this is the prize that I was given specifically. Well, other loophole, you can die before you give the lecture. I mean, that's not a great loophole. Well, <laughs> are they going to count it if you just fucking yeah, go into cardiac it. arrest and you then come back? <laughs> I guess that's just going to the hospital when you were supposed to fucking <laughs> make a speech. <laughs> it's faking your own death to get out of a speech. It's a good idea. Those lectures generally happen in the week leading up to the Nobel Prize ceremony. It's called Nobel Week. <laughs> it's like the laureates arrive in Stockholm. They have all kinds of events. But that's not mandatory. It is supposed to happen within six months. But there have also been exceptions to that. For example, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he won the Peace Prize in 1906. But he waited his entire presidential term and gave his lecture in 1910. So you can't just go to the hospital to get out of it. They'll just make you do it later. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> what if I have a note? Now, I'll hit you with some random stats, and then we'll get on to uh, the Ig Nobel Prize. So the Nobel Prize has been awarded 609 times total to 975 people. Three of them deserved it. (laughs) 25 organizations. Uh, There have been five people who won the prize more than once, and two organizations who have won the prize more than once. The person with the most Nobel Prizes? Do you know who it is? Uh, me. Why would <laughs> I know this? So, I mean, it actually, it's a five-way tie. Uh, but one of them, I would say, kind of has a few legs up on the others. Is it Google? It's Marie Curie. Mm. Uh, so, she has two, but she has some important distinctions. She was the first ever woman. She was the first person to get to. Uh, She is the only one to get it in two different scientific fields. So, like, there have been people who have gotten the Peace Prize and then a science one or, like, peace and economics. But she is the only one to get it in two different scientific fields. Um, She got it in physics and chemistry. And there are also several families who have two Nobel Prize uh, winners in the family, but the Curie family has four. Uh, It's her and her husband, Pierre, and then Marie's daughter, Irene, and her husband, Frederick. And also, Marie Curie's second daughter is married to a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Hmm. Sounds like a lot of nepotism going on here. (laughs) The Curie family was just killing it. 
Yeah, the Vampire. second generation carried cobalt in their socks. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they were fine. Is that a thing? I know that's Are not cobalt thing. carriers. <laughs> uh, no, because I also wouldn't that not do anything. Yeah, I don't think it would. Yeah, I think, I think you're completely, inert. completely fine. <laughs> you just have an uncomfortable lump in your shoe. Yeah, you might get some scrapes or a bruise. I don't know, dude. I walk around with a quarter in my shoe a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's four other people that have two each. Let's see. John Bardeen, two in physics. Linus Pauling, two in chemistry. Frederick Sanger, two in chemistry. There's actually a very recent one. So there's actually six. I'm sorry, not five. There's six total people that have two. In 2022, Barry Sharpless got his second in chemistry. And he won his first in 2001. So there was almost a 20 year gap in between. I mentioned there are some organizations that have multiple. That is the International Committee of the Red Cross. They have three. And the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, which has two. The youngest ever person was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. She was 17. I was going to guess that I should have yelled it. (laughs) It was 2014. Her name is Malala Yousafzai. Hopefully I got that right. Nope. Uh, (laughs) The oldest one, this guy has the coolest name ever. Uh, He won it in 2019. He was 97 years old. Got it in chemistry. John B. Goodenough. Uh, His parents are (laughs) assholes. He's lucky that none of that turned into a terrible thing through a joke somehow in 90 years. Yeah, definitely. There's probably, yeah, Johnny, you can still be a bad thing. But Johnny B. Good is... uh, he could have like met Charles Manson in the 60s and he was like, you're my irony guy. Oh my God. <laughs> Luckily though, they got him into science camp early and uh, he went for a Nobel. John B. Good enough. There are also six married couples oh. um, who got the Nobel Prize and um, all of them were in the same field. There was one couple that got them in separate fields. They got them in peace and economics. One last quick fact, I guess, for you. Three dead people have one, but it was a situation, like I said, where they died within the year. We're old? <laughs> no, actually, they all got hit by trains. Did they? <laughs> no. That might be... I was going to say, were they all poisons? <laughs> I'm not sure how they died, but yeah, they basically uh, were... They won the prize, but were never awarded the prize because they died. Has before. anybody started calling it the Russian flu when like people get poisoned? Because I think that'd be funny. Beginning final preparation for Operation Happy Little Burning Bush. Report status. Distribution of the Bob Ross Skynet is almost complete. Commence an outfit and deployment of root of unusual size scout forces. Secure your trilbies, gentlemen. Once the boss gives the order, we will be on radio silence until we have reached our objective. This message is brought to you by the Revolution LLC. Excellent. Anyway, what's the Instagram fucking thing? Oh, the Ig Nobel. Yeah, the Instagram Nobel Prize. 
the Ig Nobel Awards came from, there were a couple scientific societies that were, you know, in like higher learning universities, research These are foundations. called cults. <laughs> that were like basically like um, National Lampoon kind of groups. Like they put out humorous magazines uh, that were like yeah. science jokes. Yeah. Just the way that you said that. National <laughs> Lampoons, you know, humorous magazines. Like now that it's dick jokes. Right. But yeah, so they were like nerdy, like science joke publications. But in the 90s, someone organized it and they were like, hey, we should have like our own award ceremony. And it started off at first like a little bit more jokey. And it's still like very jokey and humorous, but also like institutionalized. And it's like the same pool of people. Like the actually the old Nobel Prize winners will often present at the Ig Nobel Awards. Interesting. Yeah. So the the title Ig Nobel is a joke on noble. Like, you know, it's a guy's name, but it kind of resembles the word noble. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's a word that is ignoble, which is just not noble. Correct. And so they're like, oh, this is the ignoble. Um, but who is ignoble? Yeah, I don't know. They should do like a little mascot or something. Uh, or just an unmasking every year. <laughs> <laughs> and that can just be another thing that they vote for. It's like there's a secret ballot for who gets to it, and that'll be the presenter of everything. Is Ignoble himself take mask off? And it's like fucking Taylor Swift or some shit. <laughs> they do have a character, so they could maybe add Ignoble to the lineup. Um, Miss Sweetie Pooh, who interrupts speakers if they go on too long during their acceptance speeches. Well, that's good. I wonder if that's a huge problem with <laughs> fucking nerds. It probably is, but. It's, I feel like they found the perfect solution. They're like, oh, a ridiculous character that's just rude and interrupts you? This is great. We love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what HR already is. It's a regular thing for paper airplanes to be thrown at the stage. Mm, I'd be upset about that. That's a safety <laughs> issue. So long as the guy on stage is like wearing glasses, I guess it's not a problem. Uh, there, is, there was a specific guy who it was his job actually to sweep away uh, the planes from the but stage. He died of paper plane related incidences. Well, uh, I believe he's still doing it, but in 2005 he had to give up his job because he was too busy winning an actual Nobel Prize. Hmm. Sounds <laughs> stuck up to me. <laughs> that guy's name is Roy Glauber. Hmm. Too good to sweep up the fucking floor on your Nobel Prize reception day. <laughs> Remember where you came from. There are other uh, people who have won an Ig Nobel and a real Nobel. <laughs> I actually didn't write the names down. My bad. But uh, somebody won a Ig Nobel in 2000 for a study about the levitation of a frog. And then mm, was it in that big magnet that I was talking about? So I actually saw that it was related to that. And one, there's a Chinese research facility that actually based their lunar simulator off of this research paper. That's about. hilarious. Cause I know the guy in the YouTube video that I was talking about mentions a frog, but like the look on the guy whose YouTube channel was, was kind of like, don't talk about the frog. <laughs> Cause I was like, <laughs> the only way it. to levitate a frog is a, 
dead frog. <laughs> yeah, so he got the, the 2000 Ig Nobel, and then he won a Nobel in 2010 for graphene, a study of graphene. Ooh, I fucking love graphene. Yeah, graphene is awesome. I have a really cool GIF. GIF? I don't know. Whichever I, one you prefer to hear. <laughs> well, we can't do that because you didn't Schrodinger's box it. You should have said <laughs> dot file or image file or animated image file you prefer. <laughs> Insert here. And then I would have heard GIF because the first word in that is graphic, which <laughs> is a good noise. So I mentioned uh, to you that they started off a little bit more jokey in the beginning. Rubber um, chickens. <laughs> but currently, the slogan, the kind of theme and vibe of it is to honor, honor achievements that first make people laugh, then make people think. Mm, so, like that time Fred fell down and hit his head on that TV and died. <laughs> and we thought it was real funny, but then we were like, we should put a foam thing on that corner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they like study like 50 different foam configurations and they're like, there it is. 14 years later, <laughs> countless dead. Exactly. So you understand the vibe of it now. I'm going to go over last year's winners, but I have also thrown in some made up scenarios in here. Oh, no. And you're going to have to tell me which ones are real and which ones are not real. So did you make these up yourself? I'll admit I did have a little bit of help from my wife. Okay, well, because I need to know whose personality <laughs> I'm playing against. Because there's a very good chance that you would write things that are straight up a computer would write them. <laughs> yes, I am great at failing the Turing test. It's true. <laughs> All right. And we kind of mentioned it, the way the Ig Nobel works, they do replicate the five original Nobel Prizes, and then they just throw in some goofy ones on top. So our first is in art history. Um, this one is about the ancient Mayans. Now, it's been known for a little while that ancient Mayans uh, use enemas for medical reasons. Oh, my God. But <laughs> recently, there was some pottery that was discovered. And on this pottery, uh, there are depictions of enemas used in a ritualistic sense and for intoxication. Oh, man, I this feel study, like that's fucking real <laughs> as hell. This study uh, analyzes the pottery and depictions as well as the potential effects of the enemas. And uh, the author of the paper has tried two of the enemas out, the alcohol and DMT enema. Uh, but they have elected to pass on the fly agaric, the psilocybin, and uh, toad poison enemas. I feel like that might be fake because I don't think that you report that you did the drugs yourself. Okay. So is that your final answer? On that one, yes. Okay. Moving on. Oh, next. So I don't get to know <laughs> whether or not I was right till the end. That is correct. Fucking do I at least get to know which ones I was right on? Oh, yeah. At the end, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll do a full breakdown. All right. Are you relying on the fact that I can't read your screen right now to keep track yes, of I am. this? <laughs> Our next study is in applied cardiology. Oh, what the? <laughs> 
This study uh, is about meeting new romantic partners for the first time. And perhaps you've heard this, um, when lovers meet, if they were destined for each other, their hearts can synchronize. That's complete and absolute <laughs> bullshit because I can synchronize my heart with other people's hearts. Okay, so Sweet you move for anybody it? in high school. <laughs> what this study does is uh, measure actual physical metrics to see if that is in fact true. In order to do so, they've set up a dating cabin. Uh, first, first, we've selected a pool of people. We've gathered them from a music festival, an arts and science festival, and a science movie festival. Uh, there's about 150 in the pool. We send them into the dating cabin two at a time. Where they sit down, there's a plastic divider between them. They can't see each other. Uh, the first thing we do is we raise the plastic divider for three seconds, just so they can get a visual representation of each other. You know, a quick look over. Um, close it. And then they have a two-minute period in which they can talk and get to know each other, another brief break, and another two-minute period in which they can talk and get to know each other. And in this study, what we found, uh, so we tracked a number of things, heart rate, skin conductance, uh, and then some key uh, motions and responses, such as laughter, smiling, uh, mimicry. Right, so all of those are, we're correlating to an indication of attraction. Uh, what this study found, and we did also uh, ask these people, you know, if they would match, if they would go on a second dating experience. This isn't a first date. I don't, sometimes I don't understand scientists. <laughs> would you go, would you do this again? Like, you mean with the cabin and the random selection and the slide door? <laughs> like, no, at a restaurant. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> So what we found was 34% of women chose to have a second date, 53% of men chose to have a second date, and that was a mutual choice for a second date in 17% of pairings. Uh, as far as the responses, there was no correlation to smile, laughter, eye gaze, or mimicry, but we did find that heart rate and skin conductance rose and fall in direct correlation with attraction. I can believe that study. I don't necessarily <laughs> believe that that was a good uh, experiment. <laughs> okay. I would have to actually see that experiment to, like, fucking... Because that looks like you fucking <laughs> prodded some, like, random people that you know smoke pot i guess is the actual demographic that they chose from <laughs> yeah like, i thought it was funny like okay music festival i was like well yeah sure i guess well diverse. i think this is just supposed to be like i guess that demographic would be people open to like just whatever i would agree because you kind of have to be to go like they didn't find me at a science fucking movie thing because <laughs> i they would have been like hey go in this fucking room with a random person and we're gonna show you and i would have been like yeah there might be a cute girl there sure i'll go and then they'll open that and i'll be like hey what's up i'm just doing this because there might be a cute girl and now this is over and it's like 
would you see her again and be like, probably, but the way that went in there was I just told her that I was in there to see maybe a cute girl, and then we didn't talk for four minutes. <laughs> I wonder, like, how split that crowd was. Because it's like, okay, music festival, hmm, arts and sciences, all right, maybe a little weird. Then it's like, science film, I don't know, sounds well, like a bunch people, of nerds. Yeah, but nerds are freaky. Like, everybody true, gets freaky. True, true. It's just... But will they clash, or will they fit right into the music Yeah, I feel like crowd? the freaky version of a nerd is not <laughs> the freaky version of a festival person. Yeah. Because, like, my version of freaky is definitely, like, I got a suit on and stuff. Right. It's great. Everybody Anyways, gets to decide whether or not it's leather or Armani. Ooh. <laughs> Glad we were off track for that. <laughs> but to get back on track... Uh, what do you think? Applied cardiology study? I guess that's real. Okay. We're at the fucking, uh, it's going to be hard because all you have to do is pick a normal real study and change the words to make it a lie. (laughs) All right. Next one is in literature, a classic Nobel category. All right. This study was about analyzing what makes legal documents hard to understand. The basic... Uh, hypothesis it, it's was. the made up words <laughs> well is it actually complex or is it purposely full of jargon and other misdirections to you know confuse and hold power over the common man so the way that the authors of this particular study decided to research this um, they focused on key psycholinguistic characteristics such as non-standard capitalization, particularly particularly putting terms in all caps, Um, the frequency of archaic words, such as aforesaid, herein, to wit, word choice, you know, whether legal terms could be replaced with simple terms without losing the key nuances and meaning, and the use of passive versus active voice, as well as uh, center embedding, which is kind of, you know, like making a huge phrase that's full of legal jargon and then like inserting another thing in the middle of it or using uh, like wrong or confusing syntax in Mm. phrases. Uh, This would be something more where you're like, you know, and the park declares all bears illegal a bear defined as, and then you go on like in the middle to like introduce a whole new thing. So what they did, they gathered a bunch of legal documents from 2018 to 2020, and then just some standard writing, you know, regular documents. They compared the two, you know, ran uh, like a some kind of comparison, and. The finding of the studies were, uh, yeah, legal documents are basically just bullshit. Like, they are not written for the common person. They're full of jargon, confusing stuff. Uh, And out of all of those things that create this issue, center embedding uh, was the worst of all the offenders. That's, I would think, just archaic bullshit. Because one of the reasons (laughs) why I hate reading new laws is we keep writing them in old English like jackasses. Like, there's no law against using is and and the in a normal law. 
We don't have to be like, tis wither in here for out thou.'" It's like, we, we changed all of those words in our actual <laughs> language. We should be writing laws with the words we use, not old ones we don't use that you guys use to hide ambiguous bullshit. Yeah, so, so I guess I believe this is real because I'm already arguing about it. <laughs> okay, that's a real one. I'll mark it down. What Adam doesn't know is today I brought tiny binoculars. <laughs> you don't know my symbols. I mean... I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm secretly just super good at guessing everything ever. Dang it. You're right. It is funny when I accidentally guess something like right at just a pinch moment. <laughs> and it's like when I'm calling myself out on being like right about stuff and just one person sees it. So that's their actual fucking impression of me. Unlike everybody else who just sees me fall flat on my face all the time. <laughs> Uh, okay, next one. This was biology. This one was research on the subject of autotomy, which is losing part of your body in a defense situation, you know, such as a lizard losing yeah. its tail. Um, this one was about a particular species of scorpion that was discovered to engage in this practice. When it happens, it loses its stinger, its poison glands, part of its nervous system, and anus, which results in constipation. So the hypothesis of this study was actually about the speed at which the scorpions ran. And the hypothesis was that you would see an initial spike in speed when as the, the scorpion... What? When the poop releases... Well, because it lost all that mass yeah. of the stinger and it's like its back end, basically, that you would see an increase in the speed of the scorpion. But as it became more and more constipated and that mass increased, you would see a decrease in the speed of the scorpion. So you'd basically see like a spike of initial speed increase and then it would quickly drop off and it would become slow. And then it would eat something and go faster again when it shot its load down. <laughs> But how can't. long does it take? So does it die after that? So it does. It eventually dies. Okay, I was going to say, it, that's not the same as a lizard tail. Yeah. They get that shit back. Well, so it takes three months for them to die. They do die of extreme constipation. That is awful. Yeah. But they still have their genitals? Is that like the whole thing? Well, so yeah, it kind of is they the whole can, thing. They just run away to fuck because that's the way nature is. So like, I will rip off my leg and go fuck that thing. Well, so what started as a speed study, they, what they found was there's actually no change in speed at any point. It neither increased or decreased Damn. as they go through this process. But the scorpions do live for, I think it was like three months. It's a few months. It's like more than two. Um, well, it and, really only has to be a couple of days. Right. So, yeah, they're able to find mates, reproduce, like do sure, everything. I guess I'm voting that this is real. That's, <laughs> okay. The problem with this is, is that you just have to take real already worded studies and replace extreme constipation and scorpion. <laughs> uh, next one is in medicine, another traditional Nobel category. Uh, this one is about cancer patients and how they rip off their anus when they're in danger and run to breed. <laughs> no? No, they're not all the exact same study. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just the same thing ten times. They like, sorry guys, this year the uh, sky anus fucking, ripping. It is... was it was a thing, man. The Swiss had a whole Swiss <laughs> anus machine. It's just a thing. Asses are hot. Actually, they're not. We're dropping them. Oh, but gross, <laughs> gross. Uh, so this one was about uh, oral mucositis, which is basically why. Uh, cancer patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, why they stop eating. There's, you know, obviously an, an actual biological reason for it. The radiation and drugs used in the treat used in the treatment create basically a, an increased chance of developing an infection in your intestinal tracts, which you know creates sores, and then it's uncomfortable to eat. Your body has a whole thing where it starts sending responses to not eat. Um, so there is something to try to prevent it. And a lot of chemotherapy patients will do it. Uh, they call it cryotherapy. But really all it is is eating ice chips. Basically you're just trying to freeze or keep your intestinal tract as cold as you can to try to prevent infection. Uh, hmm. This particular study was about so i mean doing that eating all those ice chips it's not fun it's uncomfortable and you're trying to create as as cold of an environment as you can um so you know you like to the point where you're even getting numb and stuff i was gonna say wouldn't that cause hypothermia because oh. hypothermia is when your core starts losing temperature right and yeah, your rectum seems a lot like your core <laughs> Yeah, I think this would be more esophageal and intestine, but I'm not sure yeah, how much you can change your temperature. Not a lot. It's surprisingly low, but it takes you That's a while because you use your arms and legs as basically batteries for a minute. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're not actually in trouble until your torso starts getting cold. And right. I feel like, I guess maybe your arms and legs are enough of a battery for your inside as well. Because that is a lot of places to absorb energy from. Yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. But the cancer patients? <laughs> well, so I haven't told you the rest of the study. The poop um, ice? They've gotten them slushy machine people? Well, no, so the ice chip thing, it, it works, but, you know, it's not really pleasant. What we did was, or not we, You've said we on, like, all of these, and I've just been letting <laughs> it go. Because I'm, I'm like, he's, like I'm he's an every scientist. <laughs> Uh, what they did was replace the ice chips with ice cream. Now, they did instruct them, you know, you don't want to just swallow it. You have to just put it in your mouth and actually let it thaw. And they and then all kinda... died. Well, what they found was of the ice cream patients, only 28% of them developed the oral mucositis. Uh, where if you were doing the ice chips, 59% of them developed the condition. Yeah, but how much of that is being in a better mood because you're eating ice cream, so your body's just kind of firing better? Yeah, it's like a stress or like a, just a mood response. Yeah, <laughs> you can. I'm pretty sure vitamin D can be partially released with mood. Yeah, maybe that is a factor. I mean, we just have the raw numbers, you know, ice cream, only a 28% rate. Hey, man, I worked at a place <laughs> where we had ice cream bricks, and it did work. Like, our efficiency went up probably more than 28% after that. 
My dad will forever thank you work at that ice cream place. He's That's not like, where I had like? ice cream breaks. <laughs> I had ice cream breaks at a fabric shop. There's no ice cream breaks oh, at the yeah, ice yeah. cream shop. That's funny. I didn't even I catch also, that at first. Yeah, dude. I would also, at the ice cream shop, uh, just not eat. Like, I would never eat my ice cream at work. I would take that shit home and put it in the freezer. Yeah. So for a while, I just had like 30 fucking different ice creams in my freezer. <laughs> Yeah, anytime I bring you up, he's like, Keelan, is he still working at the ice cream shop? Dude, if I... That was like 15 years ago. Yeah, dude. (laughs) If I worked at an ice cream shop now, and they'd probably try and force me to own one. I don't know. Ice cream shop franchises are just as weird as all fast food franchises, where it's like you can never trust the fucking person that owns it to tell you whether or not it was a good idea to own that thing. Because they kind of have to be like, oh, it's great all the time. Otherwise, somebody from corporate will yell at them. Okay, so what do you think? Is this a real award for medicine? I think that all of these are real. Um, I don't think that this is real because there can't be eating ice cream constantly be good for a cancer patient. Okay. So your final answer, not real? Not real. Okay. It sounds real as fuck, though. All right. Next, we have the Engineering Award. Um, This one is about the amount of fingers to turn a doorknob. Three. This is real. (laughs) Okay, do you want me to go on? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Should I mark you down, though? Sure. Okay, okay. I feel like either I saw a meme of this... In this study, they attached a wooden doorknob to a piece of acrylic. They had people turn the doorknob. They filmed it. And what they were interested in was approximately how many fingers they used in the grip uh, to turn the doorknob. And How many fingers do you use, Adam? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I want to say two off the bat. It's fucking but- insane to me that you don't know. Well, so what they were more interested in was how that changed as the diameter of the knob turned. So I would say, unless it's an exceptionally large knob, two fingers. See, knob, always three fingers. (laughs) Fucking handle, two fingers. Okay. Now, I do have large hands. Uh, I've kind of been known to hold things in weird ways because of that. So I don't know if a two-finger grip is standard. No, I grab door handles with three fingers because it's like a talent it's not because it's efficient it's because i'm, yeah. I'm gargoyle in my head that's pretty I'm just cool. like gargoyles <laughs> every time i open a door so and in case anybody's ever accidentally seen me smiling when i walk through a door it's not because of you it's because i got to do a little gargoyle hand maneuver while opening the door nice yeah so in this study like i said they they increased the they increased the diameter of the knob. And what they found was uh, people generally use two to three fingers at 10 to 11 millimeter diameter, three to four fingers at 23 to 26 millimeter diameter, and four to five fingers at 45 to 50 millimeter diameter. It's three fingers or whole hand. Because <laughs> there is sometimes when you're like, if I'm carrying shit, I'm not being delicate with the door handle i'm being delicate with my back well what if you got a a half inch diameter doorknob you're not gonna two-finger that bitch not if i'm carrying stuff i don't carry stuff that's light 
All right. Well, you are an outlier in this statistical study. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I also have <laughs> you ever seen me clean professionally versus cleaning at home? I don't believe I have. It is fucking wildly different. <laughs> like if I'm cleaning, uh, if you if you were to tell me to clean your kitchen, I would literally you don't use a power washer. <laughs> no, I would start at the top. Like I would climb the highest thing and take everything off and just soap drip that whole fucking thing. And I would go down by layer all the way to the fucking ground, and I would get it done in like an hour and just be like, "All right, we're done." Versus at home <laughs> where I just move piles around in a circle and sort of get stuff done. <laughs> Okay, so you're already down on this one, real. Yeah, I believe that somebody decided to measure hands. Yeah. I, I really actually did just see the sentence, how many fingers does it take to open a doorknob <laughs> on the internet sometimes in the last week, and that's what I'm basing that on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these are the uh, supposed 2022 well, winners. Well, it could so. also just be something that you read and then made up of this. <laughs> it could also be something you fucking wrote, for all I know, and I just read it on the internet. Could be, it could be. Are you turfing our podcast? <laughs> and not like the bad turf. Right. The, the tactical turf. Okay, physics. Another classic Nobel category. Um, this one was based off of a, a Frank Fish study from the 80s. You know, Frank Fish, he was famous for uh, basically calculating the amount of drag in a flock of ducks swimming in water. That and sounds like absolute bullshit. <laughs> he, uh, he was, you know, it's something that a lot of scientists had wondered about. They kind of had collected data, but Frank Fish um, got uh, some mallards as hatchlings. And he was actually able to raise them in a little pond area. So he collected good data and found that they do, in fact, you know, use the drag of the entire flock. So like the ducks in the back. You know, they'll kind of coast a little bit and use the efforts of the front ducks. This, sounds... this study builds off of that. Well, <laughs> so, but like they can, they know that from air. Don't they know that? Because that's air works the same way as water. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the widely uh, supported hypothesis, I think. But the issue was the data. They're like, well, we have to actually, you know, get the data. You calculate the duck coefficient. All that. I think that that <laughs> isn't that. Didn't they make that movie? Fucking, <laughs> yeah. What was that? Uh, it had. Pack they changed the name of it three times on us. Did they? Yeah. Because it's it like something like Fly Home. So I think or... one of them is Fly Away Home, and I think that's okay. the one that ended up finally coming out. Okay. But while it was in production, it had two other names. I'm not sure that I've ever seen that movie. I've seen but it's all like, of those movies. If there's a fucking sad girl doing something, <laughs> I've had to see that movie. Three sisters, man. My little sister's very, very close to me in age, so we just got lumped in with each other's fucking media bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, she's had to see like every fucking superhero blah, 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 or science fiction thing. The difference is she likes the science fiction things, so I think it's cheating. Hmm. Because I certainly didn't want to take any time out of my Saturday to go to a movie theater and watch a girl reunite with her father over ducks or geese <laughs> or whatever the fuck they were. Really? I could see you being kind of I have a fucking mud puddle to go play in at that point <laughs> in time in my life. Okay. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that I ever saw those movies, but they do. It's Andre. like a key childhood memory and reference. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't think I ever actually saw them. It's Did you see like, Andre? Andre actually was funny. I'm not a monster. Was that the seal one? Yes. I think I did see Andre. I don't remember though. Probably saw it at like yeah. The seal carried that whole fucking movie. (laughs) I bet he did. Okay, so this one, you know, we have the the past work of Frank Fish. Uh, you know, he did uh, like some good stuff with drag and physics and all that, but Frank Fish and drag. But now we have some more physics knowledge. We want to get some more data. Um, we have hypotheses about ducks specifically riding waves. And if they can pass that inertia on to other ducks down the line, if they ride the wave in a particular manner. I feel and like... we actually found through this study that they do and that it's true. I kind of feel like ducks are assholes and that they wouldn't... Like that they could <laughs> do that, but they wouldn't do that. Okay, so are you saying this is real or not real? Uh, see, they're supposed to be dumb and then make you think, and all I do is think. We'll go with real on the dumb ducks. Only one of these is going to make. Okay, okay. I don't, the whole fish thing. How many do you have for fake so far? What? I don't want to scroll up. You might try to decipher my code. I don't remember. I, I think, think I only have one. Okay, I think you're going to have right. to very trusting person because okay. there's the other thing where these could all just be real hmm. all right peace prize Another classic Nobel category. Uh, This one, I'll keep it brief. This one was uh, developing an algorithm to help gossipers decide when to lie and when to tell the truth. See, this is real. If this isn't (laughs) a real prize, this is a real thing that's being made. Okay. So, final answer, real? Sure. Okay. All right, this will be your last one. Uh, This one, the category is safety engineering. This one is about a moose crash test dummy. Um, The amount of uh, car accidents involving moose is going up every year. There's not really a ton of data on those uh, or a way to simulate them. But moose crashes are particularly dangerous because, you know, they're obviously huge animals. You get that initial impact. You just fucking straight up. I can't tell if this is real or not because I know you know I have like a lot of uh, moose experience (laughs) compared to the average, uh, I guess, normal American. Well, I mean, you get the initial impact with the moose, right? When you hit it with your car, you hit it. Oh, I know exactly what happens. And that's rough, and you damage your car. And then your car is compromised to the physical integrity of your car. Well, don't forget that the moose topples over. Yeah. And so all that weight of the moose, that heavy beast, is on top of you. Windshield. And you're fucked. Then quite often, you weren't going fast enough to kill that moose outright. (laughs) And you have a fucking fidgeting, half-dead moose with one antler stuck through your windshield just pile-driving your wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you gotta watch that, because you didn't want to fucking drive slow. (laughs) 
So this study, uh, they developed a rubber model that accurately simulates a moose crash so that we can start collecting data, you know, and perhaps make enhancements, modifications to these vehicles to make sure they're safer. And the good thing about the moose model that's been developed, um, you actually can make certain modifications to it to simulate other animals. So let's say you want to do, you know, like a kangaroo crash in Australia. We can send you a rubber model. See, I think this is fake because you the base <laughs> of that is just a cube. Okay. Final answer? Yeah. All right. Because I'm not so sure that it's not going to be all of them are fake or all of them are real. <laughs> You're on to my trick. There's and they are all, in fact, real. Okay. <laughs> you did it? say two of them. Yeah, that's because I was playing the odds, Adam. I know. It was a that's, smart move. But it did I gotta do that. <laughs> it did end up with two incorrect. This is how all of my friendships in real life are. The people <laughs> that will full on lie to me about a joke and just be like, Yeah, I'll get him with this. He'll take some losses statistically. And my friends who are like would just donk on me about that and tell me I was lying about having ever thought. It was that going on in the first place. Yeah. Those are the people who told me I was a liar about Dr. Pepper, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was in the true spirit of the Ig Nobel. I do, too. I don't <laughs> like the moose thing. I know. I thought that one was crazy. It's like, oh, you just made rubber shit that looks like different animals. Well, so <laughs> hitting fucking moose. Well, that's why the interchangeable thing is real weird. Because moose are large, and like yeah, the I have, I have firsthand seen two vehicles after somebody has hit a moose going I think no more than thirty two miles an hour, and mm. it looked like you could really have died in that vehicle, and both of those people were like yeah, and then the moose wasn't dead and fucking got away. <laughs> So they had to, like, deal with a severely injured moose. And in both of those situations, the moose had to get shot. Dang. Well, they fucking gave it a repelvising hmm. with a vehicle. Repelvised. <laughs> well, yeah, plugs? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Jane Fritz. That's J-A-I-N underscore Fritz. Uh, I get. Are we still doing the Tuesday thing? Oh yeah, you got that Twitch channel. Is it upp <laughs> underscore playa? Yeah, at twitch dot com. Yeah, twitch dot com or twitch dot tv. So it's twitch tv. All right, no, you gotta start saying it right, otherwise the kids will think I'm not hip and shit, <laughs> and I'll start attaching that one hello fellow kids fucking meme to my Instagram. Mm, you don't want to get that. And uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I pretty much just post about uh, this podcast. Yeah, a couple other things. I am VR Frittatas. And I do also have another Twitch channel. You can follow that if you'd like. It is Andy underscore pants. A-N-D-E-E underscore pants. Got anything to add? Um, yeah, Adam doesn't report dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say record or report? Report. 
Okay. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Later, My. guys. When motherfuckers are like, oh, I drive a Ford Taurus. And I'm like, okay, the fuck is that? Like, I'm supposed <laughs> to know what the fucking name of the 10,000 cars are out there. No, no, it's that's my car's astrological sign, but it's actually a Toyota Yaris. But I'm sure somebody's gotten gotten the actual manufacturer down and day and got like the sun rays rising of their fucking.